Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 16th of February 2014, entitled God's Attraction to Me. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Well, amen. You glad to be here tonight? Say amen. Amen. It's great to see you tonight. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. We'll get right to the message tonight. I want to say, I believe we had a great start this morning in our meeting, and I thank God for that. And uh, I love uh, the fact that uh, you keep having me back in spite of who I am. Amen? I thank God for that. And uh, I just want you to really uh, pray that God would uh, do a work. Uh, You know, I'm going to hit a topic tonight that's probably going to it's probably going to be applicable to every single one of you. Um, and I'm just a meat and taters preacher. That's all I am. All I've got is meat and potatoes. I don't have no crepe Suzette, quiche, none of that nice English posh food. I'm just meat and taters. Amen? And so that's just what I am. And so I hope and pray this will be a blessing to you tonight. I'll be fast and not boring. And I promise I'll hit the target. And if I don't, you just pray for me, all right? And so let's uh, look at God's Word. Second Corinthians chapter number 12 and look at verse number... Let's look at verse number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 6. This is an amazing book because the, uh, the Apostle Paul, am I on? Yeah. The Apostle Paul uh, was a man who was very transparent. A lot of people have accused me uh, of being too uh, transparent. In other words, I show my emotions too much. Uh, I might, uh, my, my people sometimes, I had some people in my former church that I was at years ago. And they said, you know what, maybe you, ought not, maybe you ought not cry as much when you preach. And I went, well, maybe you just need to drive your car off a cliff or something. You know, I, no, I'm just playing. Um, I, you know, I was like, what are you talking about? You know, John R. Rice, man, he, pray, you know, he, he got embarrassed to that thing. And he, you know, he prayed, Peter. Remember me telling you, uh, John R. Rice prayed and he said, Lord, take away the tears. They're, they're embarrassing. And you know what, God dried his tear ducts up. And two weeks after he had preached like that, he got on his knees and he begged God to give him his tears back. There's something about passion. And passion ought to move you to, to tears sometimes. And you know what? Paul was that kind of person. He was very transparent. He, he, he let the people know where he was at. Let the people know what was going on in his heart. Let the people know that he was hurting. And when he rejoiced, and he wanted them to rejoice with him. Amen? He was a very transparent person. You look all the way back in this book in 2 Corinthians and you look at chapter number 2 and he showed his timidity. He showed his humility, if you will. Listen, if you're going to be a servant of God, the earmark for you as a Christian, as a servant of the Most High God, ought to be humility. The central earmark of a true believer is humility. God hates pride. Every single time he uses the word proud or pride, it is used in a negative connotation. Never used positively in the Bible. Matter of fact, of the seven things God hates, the first one is a proud look. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah not because of homosexuality or sodomy. He destroyed it because of P-R-I-D-E. Paul was a man who was humble before God. Humble. And that's what we're to be. We're to be we're to be servants of timidity. Not only that, but we ought to be servants of tenacity. Amen? You can be humble, but still be like a bulldog. Amen? You can have some tenacity, have some grit in your crawl. I mean, just get out there and do something for God. Listen, I'm the kind of person that wants to do something and sometimes then pray about it. Let's just get busy doing something. Amen? 
Get busy doing something for Jesus. And by the way, what I'm going to talk about tonight is a topic that you probably are going to misunderstand me and think that I'm talking about laziness or procrastination. No, I'm not going to be talking about laziness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says laziness is a sin. Uh-oh, it got real quiet right there. The Bible says laziness is a sin. The Bible says procrastination is a sin. The devil will tell you to wait. God says now. The devil says, wait, God says, now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to get a hold of this fact that I'm going to read to you tonight. You know what? The, the, the apostle Paul showed his tenacity. He showed his timidity. Matter of fact, in the 10th chapter, he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He said, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He had some tenacity. He said, you know what? When the devil knocks on my door, I make sure that he knows who my master is and I tell Jesus to get the door. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't mean that you have less tenacity if you let Jesus fight your battles. David, the shepherd boy, looked at the giant Goliath and he said, you know what? You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He said, the battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. It's all right to let Jesus fight your battles, amen. You can have tenacity. Listen, spiritual tenacity. But not only that, but you know what? The Apostle Paul in this passage, Panos, begins to show us his dependency. We talk about timidity. We talk about being humble. We talk about tenacity, Neil, and having some grit in your crawling, having some spiritual fortitude. We don't need quitters. We need people that will hang by the stuff that Steve will bear. Listen, bear the burdens of one another. You know what? We got a man going in the doctor into surgery tomorrow. We need to be lifting him up. We need to be around him and lay hands on him before we leave here and say, God, please, as a great physician, put your hand on our dear brother and make sure that he gets through this surgery successfully. By the way, if he don't, it's a win-win situation either way. Amen? Amen. But we need to have some timidity. It's time for God's people to get back to having some humility. And realize we ain't all a bunch of big shots. I love, I, I was looking through and Gareth, I believe you just preached a message on the knowledge of God. And talking about it in Jeremiah chapter number 9 where he says, Let not the wise men glory in his wisdom, nor the rich men in his riches, or the mighty men in his strength. But let him that glory, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Let me tell you something. If you want to have humility, you get right up against Jesus Christ. You nestle up against our Savior and you look what He did for us. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, He what? Humbled Himself. The word literally means He humiliated Himself. The God of the universe put on a robe of flesh and left heaven's glory and God sent heaven's best in our stead. Boy, I can't even understand it. But I accept it. I don't even know how in the wide world that the, the God of heaven looks down at us when I know who Brian is. 
But somehow or another, he looks down through his providential eyes, through the blood of Christ, and looks at you, Steve, and says, righteous. He looks at Peter and says, righteous. He looks at Joseph and says, righteous. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve a great God, amen? We serve a God that wants us to be the, listen, the, and to emulate our Savior and to have timidity, to be humble, but to have tenacity. Our Savior went into the, listen, into the temple and turned over the tables of the money changers. And I'm going to tell you what, that wasn't a weak man that did that. That was a masculine man. He had some tenacity about him. He said, you're not going to make my house a house of merchandise. I like when John the Baptist looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees that wagged their little fingers at him and said, you know what, who do you think you are? And he said, you generation of vipers. I like a man who'll stand up and tell somebody, you know what, he don't care. He don't care if he wins friends and influences people. He wants to listen, get the message out there that Jesus saves and it's all about him and nothing about us. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to have tenacity, but number two, you got to have, listen, timidity. Number three, though, you got to have some dependency. I want to read this to you, and, and, and in all, of, all this is by way of introduction, okay? What I'm getting ready to read you goes cross-grain with everything, every philosophy in the world today. Everything that we call successful, every book that you buy off of a counter and a shelf of a bookstore that wants to talk about self-esteem and prosperity and being wealthy and successful, is listen, it goes cross-grain with what I'm going to read to you tonight. You know, they... We've got some friends who are fishermen up in the northeast, Nathan, and uh, they said years ago that they were having problem in the codfish industry. They were having to, fit, to, 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 to ship this stuff overseas. And the, the, when they did that, Neil, they found that the, they, would, they would take the fish and they would uh, do, uh, you know, do the grooming and do their, uh, and all those fish schools and fish farms and all, and they would raise the fish. And they found out that they killed the fish here, froze it, and sent it overseas, uh, over here and to other places in Europe, that it would lose its flavor. It would begin to get mushy. Then they said, well, I know what we'll do. We'll put, it in, we'll put each individual fish in an aquarium and ship it over here on a big ship and it'll be in its natural environment. You know what? It just sat in that tank and just kind of floated around. Didn't do much of nothing. You know, kind of like Dory, you know, and Nemo. And didn't do nothing. It was in a protected, stale environment. And you know what they found out? That it was even more distasteful and more mushy because it was in an environment that was not it its own environment. Do you know what they found out? They started shipping the codfish overseas in large tanks with their arch enemy called catfish. And the catfish would chase them all over the place and they were just, you know, they were as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs, amen? And they were just nervous and they were running from the, the catfish and they found out, you know what? They were healthier and livelier and more tasty when they were in an environment where they were exercised. And you know what exercised those fish? Was their enemy. The thing that made them discomforted. I don't know what you're going through tonight. But I can promise you this. If you are a Christian, you're praying for a comfortable, easy way, you might as well go on home. Because I could take you to some men and some women in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm not talking about our military. I'm talking about missionaries who are giving their life, Pastor, for the cause of Christ. 
I could take you to the, to the, to the edge of the border, Carl, of North Korea and, and communist China. And literally there are men today, there are men in the last year and a half who have literally national pastors from North Korea who have lost their life for doing nothing more than I'm doing tonight. In prison for their faith. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're looking for an easy way, you in the wrong thing, Jack. It's time to buckle up, cinch up. If we're going to be Christians, I'm going to tell you right now, faith, and let me say this, and if you ain't written down anything I'm going to write that say tonight, write this down. Faith does not make this life easier, but it does make it possible. Faith don't make it easier. Faith just makes it possible. Say la. It's time for us, listen, to understand what really God's trying to show us through this passage. I want you to look at verse number 6. Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words. He said, for though I would desire to glory, he said, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. You want to talk about humility. He said, I want to make sure that nobody gets the wrong picture or idea who I am. Look at what he says in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, for this thorn in the flesh, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Now let me stop right there. I've entitled a message tonight that God is attracted to me. God's attracted to me. Some of y'all, before y'all get any ideas, I don't mean attracted the way a man and a woman looks at each other. Some of y'all already snickering. You teenagers already snickering. <laughs> he read my mind. No, I'm, I'm just telling you, you, listen, I love the way these kids today, uh, they absolutely go nuts over one another. You better be very careful. You better be very careful. You better make sure that you're in the will of God because you may be touching, you may be doing something to somebody else's wife or husband. Hello. Don't let me park there, but I, that's all free right there. But I'm just saying, you better be very careful. He said, I besought the Lord three times. Now, if, if God's attracted to us, do we really think that God is attracted to our ability? Is God really attracted to our great gifts, which by the way he gave to us? Is God attracted to our success? Is God attracted to our wonderful voice? Is God attracted to a, a, a preaching style? Is God attracted to a beautiful person versus a not so beautiful person? If, if God is attracted to us, what is the common denominator that is the attraction? I'm going to give it to you tonight. Three times, three times Paul prayed. Has there ever been a time in your life where you prayed and prayed and prayed and the ceiling was brass and God went nowhere around and heaven became silent? There was no answer. Don't you imagine how discouraged and how frustrated Paul was when he had this thorn in the flesh? A lot of people have said, have tried to speculate what they think this thorn in the flesh was. Well, I'm here to tell you that 
It wasn't, I don't believe, suffering or persecution. You go all the way back and look at chapter number 11. And look at what he says in verse number 24. Or first number 23. Brother Nathan, he says this, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. How many of you have died and been resuscitated? you got quite a testimony if you have. Amen. Look at this. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Five times he was beaten, 39 stripes. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day in the deep, I have been in the deep, in journeys often perils of water and perils of robbers, perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils in... I believe this is a man that's being a little transparent, don't you? He's wanting the people to know how to pray for him. And he says this, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides all these things that are without, that which cometh unto me daily, which is the care of all the churches. <laughs> Man's been tried to be killed. Literally killed one time, stoned to death at Lystra. Shipwreck a day and a night in the deep. Floating around the water. Dory was probably there too. And, and I'm just saying, you know what? Here, here's a man who, here, here's a man who had been beaten with rods. He was stoned to death. He was literally beaten 39 stripes, save one, five times. Here's a man who had been through some serious, serious adversity. And there was a thorn in his flesh. A lot of people say it was a suffering and persecution. I do not believe that. A lot of people say it might have been a physical infirmity like an eye problem because he said in Galatians chapter 6, he said, you were the same people that would, you would have plucked your own eye out for me. He had an eye problem, obviously. Many people think that those eye problems came from a uh, malaria issue that they had in the city of Tarsus. Many people had it, and it affected people's eyesight. That may have, a lot of people have speculated and said that might have been it. Other people have said, even in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that the people of Corinth even said he was, listen, weak in the body. Weak. But I dare say that that's any of his thorns. You say, what was it? I want to show you tonight, if you'll look at verse number 8. He says, for this thing I've besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my great, listen to this. He said unto me, he prayed, he prayed three times that God would deliver him from this thorn in the flesh. Three times, and every time God said no. How many in this room like to hear the answer no when you pray? Didn't think so. <laughs> Didn't think so. God said no three times. And God did answer him. Thank God, Neil, he did answer him. And he said these words to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now, you know what we like to do, Nathan? We like to stop right there. My grace, you know, we say, my grace is sufficient for thee. God's given me a promise. And we stop it right there, but the verse don't stop. It's just, a, it's just a colon. Look at the next part of it. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For Peter, he said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you understand tonight that God is not attracted to my ability to speak? Even if I was good, He wouldn't be attracted to it. God is not attracted to a beautiful singing voice. 
God is not attracted to the abilities that you have in your body. My God, your God, is only attracted to your weakness. That's absolutely contrary to everything that we've been taught, isn't it? Boy, we look at people and we measure them based upon what they look like, how they act, how they perform, what they do at work, how neat they are, how tidy they are. No, no I'm telling you right now, God is attracted to everything that runs cross-grain with what we call attraction. God's attracted to your weakness. Can I ask you a question tonight? Do you understand that each and every one of us in this room have thorns? Now, don't look at me like that. Y'all are looking at me like, well, preacher, you just don't understand. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Didn't ask you if you was good. Didn't ask you what kind of Christian you were. See, you know what the problem in the church of Jesus Christ is? We don't really practice what the Bible talks about when it says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, we're afraid, man. You know, if we tell somebody about our thorn, oh, listen, man, if we tell somebody about our thorn, they might, like, they might like thumb their nose at us and not talk to us because we're less than desirable and we're nothing compared to them. By the way, Paul told the church in Corinth this because they were carnal. And he said, those that compare themselves with themselves are unwise. You don't compare yourself to somebody else. The only litmus test you have is Jesus Christ. And when you line up with Him, you fall really, really short. What kind of thorn do you have in your life? By the way, you got them. You know the first thing you've got to do? It, listen, and here's where I'm we're going with this. If God is attracted to me, and the, the attraction is the weakness. By the way, weakness is not laziness. Weakness is not procrastination. Weaknesses, you know what? We need some people that will understand the character of our God and what He's attracted to. Our God is attracted to weakness, number one. If you listen, and this is the whole premise of my message. I got three points and we're going to the house, all right? Number one, everybody in this room, if you know that God is attracted to you and the attraction is the weakness, number one, you need to, number one, accept your thorns. Accept them. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, look back up at verse number, look back up at verse number uh, seven. In verse number seven, it says this. It says that lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me. Last time I checked, the word given means it's a gift. <laughs> God gave it to him. You know what the first thing you've got to do? And you will never fight. I want every one of you to look at me. You will never fight what you ain't willing to face. You have to accept your thorns. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I've got a friend of mine who not only stutters profusely, he's a preacher. But before he got a hold of this thing and got the right medication, he would get up to speak, and I, this is honest before God, he'd get up to speak and the first thing that would happen, he'd be five minutes into his message and, and he'd pass out right on the pulpit. Now, it's bad enough when you put people to sleep when you preach. But when you fall asleep yourself, this guy would pass out. He would pass out Andy every time he preached. And you know what it made him do? 
It made him have a, have a simple dependency upon God because every time he got up, he had to trust God every single time for every word he spoke. And ladies and gentlemen, it's like the old preacher that got up before his congregation and introduced G. Campbell Morgan. And G. Campbell Morgan came to speak and he said, I envy your pastor. And the pastor looked at him and the people looked at him like he's crazy. And G. Campbell Morgan said, man, I can get up here and I can preach anytime I want to. I've done it so long I can kick it in neutral. I know what I'm doing. He said, but your pastor knows he needs God. I envy that. You know what? Every one of us in this room have thorns. We've got to, number one, accept the thorns. Paul had to accept the fact after he prayed three times that God wouldn't remove it from him. He had to finally get to the point to where he accepted it. Amen? Accept your thorns. Number two. And you know, a lot of people have tried to... The early church gave a description in some of the historical writings of what Paul looked like. Can I say something? Paul was short in stature. He was bald-headed. Now, don't y'all, none of y'all laugh and start going, this is eerily familiar. He was short in stature, bald-headed, bow-legged, had a, had a, I mean, a vigorous physique. I mean, scruffy dude, you know, one eyebrow. I mean, just thick as, thick as a mustache. Just, I mean, a, I mean, a rough-looking dude. But you know what I love about Paul. That was before he got saved. You know what Acts chapter number 8 said? He was a tornado that God set down before the churches. He persecuted people. He drug them out. You know what? He was not a man that was full of grace. He persecuted the church. But can I say this? When he got saved on the road to Damascus, he became a man that was full of grace. Do you realize that every single letter he wrote to the churches in the New Testament, he either began or ended, Steve, with these words, Grace be unto you. Matter of fact, his last written words where grace be unto you, in Jesus' name, amen. It's a man full of grace. Accept your thorns. Accept them. Because you know what? You're not going to have a sweet spirit and get through life until you accept them. Number one, accept your thorns. But number two, own your thorns. Own your thorns. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, you know what I said just a minute ago? The church is a place that ought to be a Holy Ghost hospital for hurting people. The church ought to be a place where people come and feel comfortable knowing that they need help and they can get it here at Bethel Free Baptist Church. Amen? But too many times what we do is we put on this spiritual facade and a mask and we've got this varnish veneer act going on and we've got everything, everybody fooled except the one that really matters. It's time to take the mask completely off and get honest before God and own up to your thorns. Who gave you the thorn? God did. Accept your thorns. Own up to your thorns. Heard a story one time about a set of twins. Kind of ironic we got a set in here tonight. But had a set of twins. One named Johnny, the other named Sally. Old little Johnny got him a, got him a, a slingshot for, for his birthday. And man, he went out in the woods and he was trying to find something he could aim at as target practice and he couldn't find nothing. And he was at his grandparents' house and she had a pet duck. All right? And so... Well, he got a, little, got a little ants and he said, Ooh, I'm going to try it on that duck. Hey, one shot, <laughs> killed it instantly. Fell over, just dead as a doornail. Man, he went frantic. He was so, he, he didn't know what to do. He said, oh, what am I going to do? He went and buried the duck. And you know, the whole time his little sister Sally was watching him. And she said, uh-huh, I saw what you did. <laughs> well, we went, you know, they went in for lunch that day and little Johnny sat down at the dinner table, and after they got through with lunch, uh, she said, Sally, the grandmother said, Sally, I want you to wash the dishes. Sally said, 
No, Johnny said he'd help you with anything you had, to, had, had need of. Remember the duck. <laughs> the next day, the grandfather was going to take them fishing. But the, mother, the, the, the grandmother looked and said, I've got some work I need to do in the garden. I thought I'd leave Sally here. She said, oh, no. Johnny said he'd help you in the garden. He'd go do that stuff for you. She said, remember the duck. Boy, it got so bad, Carl, he couldn't stand it anymore. He went to his grandmother and he confessed everything. He said, I killed your duck. I killed your duck. I buried it in the backyard. She said, honey, I know that. She said, I was standing at the window when you shot it. I was watching everything you did. I even watched you bury it. She said, but because I love you, I forgave you. She said, I was just wondering how long you'd stay a slave to Sally. That's what a lot of people in this room are doing tonight. You're going to stay a slave to your enemy or your flesh instead of owning up to your thorn. Own up to your thorns. God gave them to you. Accept it. Own up to it. But number three, why don't you use your thorns? Why don't you use them? I want you to look at something. Right here in 2 Corinthians, look at chapter number 12. Use your thorns. I want to read something to you that I got out of a, a clipping uh, just today. The first beacon of the Eddie Stone Lighthouse for the English Channel off the coast of Plymouth was placed there over 250 years ago to warn ships of the dangerous reefs. Win Stanley, the architect who built it, was so confident of its strength that he had written on the cornerstone, Blow, O ye winds, rise, O ye ocean waves, break forth, you elements, and try my work. Those were foolish words. Less than three years later, a violent storm destroyed the lighthouse along with Winstanley and others who were doing repairs on it at the time. In 1756, a man by the name of John Smeaton, an early leader in civil engineering in this country, rebuilt it. He found a new site and dug down deep into the solid rock. He was a Christian, and on the cornerstone he wrote these words, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Since then, it has stood every test, and it stands here today because it was built on the rock. You know what? A lot of times, the thorn God's placed in our life, He not only wants us to accept it and to own up to it, but number three, He wants us to use it. Use your thorn. Heard a story one time, Pastor, about a lady who had uh, gotten engaged to a fairly rich uh, young man. They had gotten all, the, all of the preliminaries done and they were getting ready to have the wedding ceremony. They had already ordered all the food, almost $15,000 worth of food at the reception. Just a night and a half before the wedding, the man backed out and said he would not marry her. Food was already bought. They were going to cancel the service. She said, we're not canceling nothing. It's $15,000 worth of food. See, before, years before... She had been a very, in a very difficult time in her life. And she lived in a homeless shelter for almost four years. You know what she did? She called up the homeless shelter and invited everybody down to eat the food that was already bought. And by the way, it was, listen, boneless chicken that was in honor of the groom. Isn't that a great picture of what Jesus Christ did for us? We didn't do anything to, to deserve what's going to be called the marriage supper of the Lamb, but yet we're invited and a place, listen, a place setting is going to be out for every child of God because that's what Jesus Christ did for us. Own up to your thorns. Accept them. Own up to it and use your thorn. Use it. I must finish with this.
For my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he says this. He said, use it. Most gladly, therefore. Look at this. Most gladly. How many of you in here, and you know what, Peter, it's hard, isn't it? It's very hard to praise the Lord over a busted up hip. It's very, very difficult to praise the Lord when I'm having a migraine so bad that I could throw up. But the Bible says most gladly. Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want you to look at the next verse, verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. How strong are you today? The only way you're going to be strong is if you first become weak. God is attracted to weakness. Listen, accept your thorn. Own up to your thorn. And use your thorn. I was preaching in Cander, North Carolina a few years ago. My wife was at home with our kids. And I went by myself. And while I was there that week, uh, I met a lady in the church who owns a, uh, a flower shop in a little town called Troy, North Carolina. It ain't the end of the world, but you can see it from there. I, honestly, it's that little. But... Uh, she owns a flower shop, and she told me a story about a lady who had come in. And Peter, this lady had came in to get flowers, and she looked at the, uh, at, at the, uh, at the lady, and she said, uh, I'd like to get some uh, roses. And she said, well, what kind of arrangement would you like? Would you like a Thanksgiving arrangement or something to show your gratitude? She said, gratitude? I mean, in a real angry voice. She said, gratitude? What have I got to be grateful for? She began to tell this lady who owned the flower shop about... Three months prior to this, she was to have a baby. And she had been rear-ended by a truck who, unbeknownst to him, the light had turned yellow. She stopped. He didn't. Rear-ended her. The, uh, listen, the airbag, it didn't hurt her. The airbag deployed, and it didn't do anything to her, but the baby was stillborn. And she's angry. She said, I can't believe that God would allow this to happen to me. And she said, you know what I think I've got? I think I've got the perfect arrangement for you. We call it our Thanksgiving bouquet. The lady brought it out. She took out long stem red roses, Nathan. You know what she did? She cut the roses off the ends and left just the strip with the thorns on it. She put them in a box, 12 of them. lady looked at her like, are you crazy? You think I'm going to pay you for flowers that don't even have a flower on it? She said, well, this is what I've done. She said, you know what happened to me is my husband died about six years ago. She said, my son's on drugs. She said, my daughter's away from God too. And she said, you know what I've learned that the thorns make me appreciate the roses. And she said, so I started this thing and what I do is when people come in and they're having a tough time, the first bouquet's on me. She said, so these are free. She said, I want you to have this Bouquet of thorns. Because see, the thorns will make you appreciate the roses. That lady, she said, looked at her. Tears coursing down her face and she said, You know what? I've often thanked God. I've often thanked God for the roses in my life. But I don't think I've ever thanked Him for the thorns. I walked into a garden to pick a lovely rose. And joy and peace and happiness was all I could suppose. 
But as I went to pick a bloom, a sharp pain ran through my hand, and God said, no flower for you to pick today, Brian. A thorn is what I planned. My heart desired some comfort, some days of peace and ease, a time of quiet restfulness, some charm my soul would please. But as I searched to find my want, God sent instead of need. He said, in order to have a tender heart, Brian, it's best your heart should bleed. It looked like a thorn. My image was torn, but God meant it for good. It caused me to mourn, but His likeness was born. For God meant it for good. It caused me some pain, but the loss has been gained like sunshine after rain because God meant it for good. Hey, listen, accept your thorns. Look to the left or right of you and look at somebody and say, I've got some thorns. That's what God's people ought to do. I got some thorns. I got some. God's given me thorns to keep me humble, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And it's time for us to realize that the thorns that God has placed in our life is to make us appreciate the flowers and the beauty of it when we go through those great times. Because by the way, folks, every mountaintop experience has a valley. And when Peter, James, and John wanted to stay up on that mountain, Jesus said, you can't stay up here. You got to get back down there. And the first thing they encountered when they came off the Mount of Transfiguration was a demon-possessed boy. Can't stay on the mountain. Sometimes, sometimes God gives us thorns. And we need to learn to accept them. We need to learn to own up to them. And you know what? Use the thorn in your life. This lady did. And you know what? It's blessed people in her area who have gone through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And you know what? God means it for good, Steve. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing at the valley of decision and the adversary says give in, just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he will take you through the fire again. That's our God. Hey, listen, my strength, God said, my strength is made perfect in your life through your weakness. I can't. But thank God, Panos, he can. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Tonight, I wonder if you'd say, you know what, preacher? I got some thorns. I haven't been willing to admit I've got them and I haven't accepted that fact because I feel like God's dealt me a bad hand. But you know what? God allows it to rain on the just and the unjust. And the thorns that God has allowed to happen in your life, you need to accept them. You need to own up to them and you need to use them. You'd say, preacher, with an upraised hand, I want you to pray for me. God has revealed to me I got some thorns in my life, and I want to accept it, own it, and use it for His glory. And you just with an upraised hand say, preacher, pray for me. Anybody like that? Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. 
Let's do this. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed right now. Just standing with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask Pastor to come. And while we're bowing and our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, he's going to come and lead in an invitation song. But my prayer is this. Don't leave here. Don't leave here without doing business with God if he's laid it on your heart. Do business with him. Let him work in your life. Own up to the thorns. Accept the thorns. But ultimately use the thorns in your life.